Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And hey, I'm Stephanie Hart. And the weather report. The weather report is a little dismal this morning, kids, but... It's, it's still springish. It's springish. I, there's a nice sort of feeling in the air that is, you know, got some warmth and moisture to it. Hey, my skin's feeling great. All I'm going to say is that. I'm going to give you the lift on that one. A little moisturized. Humid. My hair's feeling good. It's not, like, blasted by the heater anymore. Right. I'm loving it. I had to... Um, uh, clean up last weekend kind of we did the spring cleaning and the coats went down and the oh, sandals came out I'm like and 30 percent into that <laughs> it's i'm you i mean i'm not the only one that like transfers over their closets are they i don't okay i do too but somebody else looked at me weird the other week when i was talking about it and i was oh, like yeah. i gotta get rid of the sweaters and bring out the and they're like and you bring out your spring you purses and yeah. all your stuff put away the like heavy scarves and yeah so i could not really find a proper coat today but here we are. This is a, a this is a situation. Done. It's a little bit, you know, you need a little something more, but it, you don't want to go back to the winter. I have done. I mean, I put away the puffers a while ago. Yeah. Now I, I'm into stylish raincoats because I have a problem with shopping vintage raincoats. Really? Because oh that's a God. good problem to have. I know. I have like vintage four, raincoats are always really cool looking. I have four right now in rotation, four different vintage raincoats that I that I scourged from like Hunt and Gather and Goodwill. Oh, Found a great Pendleton wood coat, wool coat at the Plymouth Goodwill. Shout out. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big week. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you once I like, know. for literally 45 seconds and I turned around to address you after greeting our host. Yep. And I'm like, where's Stefan? My friend goes, oh, she had to leave. She had to leave. <laughs> like I saw your hair. Yeah. Like in a flurry going by. I know. Literally, that was, I. this is... I don't know. I don't know. And I hate I hate to be those people who are like, I'm so busy. What are you working on? Just so much. So, so much. <laughs> it seems like the food, like January was kind of quiet. Then February was like Final Four. And that really was a nothing. And that was a nothing. And then like March. I can't, it just seems March like. March is Margarita Madness. Food. And then- yeah. Just erupted. Like there's an event every day. But don't you feel like that's May? I was thinking about this driving because like, I think that's May anyway, because it's basically warm enough. We're not so, in May yet. But I know, but I, I'm already in May. <laughs> I got to tell you, like, this is only what I think is pre-May. This is the magazine this is, writer's this life. Is, well, let's be clear, you guys, I'm writing August right now. So, yeah. Um, But we are uh, and thinking about the fair. Shh. Um, there is, but if you think about it, May is perfect because there's no bugs yet. You still get sort of, you can have sort of an outdoor situation a little bit for an event. Like you may have a patio open. Yep. So it's really nice. People are so sick of being inside that they want to go do things. So fundraisers and everything else see higher attendance. It's time. It's like gala season. And, and it's nice because you're basically, when you get to June, you get schools out and vacations. And so you kind of lose a little momentum. Yeah. So I went to see salt. You did. Yep. I went last weekend. It was a. It was great as usual. The food was great. They have um, Heather Jans's curry diva curry there. Um, Did you know that that they serve her curry? It's fantastic. I did not know that. Yeah, it was so good. I had a Thai curry with shrimp in it that had pineapple chunks, and it was just spectacular. That's good. Yeah, super fun. And uh, I've decided that breweries are now. Um, brewery slash doggy daycare. Very true. It's feeling a little doggy daycare-ish at these breweries. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I've been to like three breweries this week, just for whatever reason. And it is like the dogs just are overtaking the people almost. It is a little bit. I Yeah, there's a little bit of that. 
But so, I mean, I guess that's what it's I have supposed a dog. to be. I'm also there with my dog. Yeah. Some breweries don't let you, maybe. You can't take them in if they have food on site. Okay. Um, and I noticed at the, what brewery was I at? Uh, Flywater, Headwater, Headwaters. Fly something over Head by flyer. five watt. Head flyer. Yes, that one. <laughs> um, they had like a whole list of rules posted about doggy behavior that oh. I thought was like very, very useful for right? people. Some people need a little help. Yep. That's As true. I was at Abel and this one dog was lunging at every dog that walked by and the lady's like, no scooter, no scooter. I'm like, that dog is going to bite someone and yeah, it's going to be a little more than no scooter. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, that's my rant. Okay. Uh, grand old day anyway. Oh, my God. Sam Paul had the pitchforks out, as she, Joy Summers said. Oh, my God. Let's just talk about this. If you don't know, Grand Old Day, the festival, was canceled for like six weeks out. It was supposed to be on June 2nd. And just last week came out the announcement from the association that they were not going to do have the festival anymore. And a couple things to note. Let's do that. Grand Old Day Let's is be journalists run, for a second. <laughs> Grand Old Day is run by a business association. So yeah. that means there's usually like an executive director and then a board that governs it. The executive director stepped down. There was not someone that had specialty in creating sponsorship relationships or even planning events, really. Yeah. It. It is very unfortunate. The woman who ended up having to write the press release was the interim president. I really do feel bad for her. She's an acupuncturist. She has no experience in this. She's a volunteer community board. Right. So I want to just yes, yes, hug, put her in a yes. little bubble of Context, let's give her people. just a break. Context is important. She had the wrong phone number and oh, it was just, it was you a guys, disaster. The mob came looking for her or for them. The mob, take away someone's summer party and feel the wrath, basically. But I will say, because I produce uh, part of the Stone Arch Festival yeah. that happens, which is a very similar festival, community run, one executive director. It really takes a lot of people volunteering to put it together. The board, like, where was the board? Like, you had to have seen this coming. Sponsor dollars don't just materialize, right? And I'm very disappointed in the response of the city because you have a hundred thousand people that come to your city once a year. They maybe are some of your residents, they maybe are people that live on the avenue, but there's a lot of other people that come through your town. Where is Melvin Carter on this? Why didn't he even? say one word about it. He put his communications guy out there. It was like, oh yeah, I'm sure the neighborhood will appreciate what you have in store for 2020. Like just lame. Yeah. Well, they're not, they're a little bit not concerned with the social aspect of the city. I feel like, I feel like you're right. They're thinking it's we, a problem. we have things to do and we have problems to solve. And that's their, they, they, I feel like they think that's their mission. Same thing with the fireworks thing, the debacle. I sort of feel like the idea is, look, we have serious issues to handle. And then the rest of it is sort of like, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just I understand. saying I feel that that's maybe that their is tact. very misguided. Thinking and it is because how do you engage a community in their neighborhood? Right. How do you get people out of their homes to see the vitality of your neighborhood, the restaurants, Agreed. the culture, Agreed. the art? This you wonder why it's a handshake. You can't have all that's exactly earnestness right. without understanding the life, the full life of your communities. And maybe we as cities need to like. The downtown council has a board and they actually have someone that's in charge of events. If you want these cool events in your cities, the sponsor dollars don't just raise themselves. Right. And the days of paying someone, well, we'll pay you commission to sell this, but there's no other money that unless you generate a sale, that's gone too. Yeah. Okay, good. I want to hear that from you. So like 
if you want these things, maybe you create an arts and culture that's something where you help them plan events or you can bundle some events together to make that sponsor dollar go further. Well, There's ways to handle this. Think about think about the fact that think about GoFundMe. I mean, honestly, if there could be a way, think of how many times you just chuck in five bucks, ten bucks, whatever to a cause. If there was a way to set up something for like events pre, like if Grand Old Day was out of money and if they had said, look, and put up a thing that said, look, we are, we're in a cash trap situation and, you know, we're in a place where we can't have this event if we don't come up with X amount of bucks. Are you willing, should we have this event? Are you willing to throw in? I guarantee the, the 9,000 people that have sort of been said that they're interested in the, in the new event, they would have thrown in five bucks a piece would have been fine and their their statement about like and we're going to retool for next year that was the problem yeah no you're not because nobody has faith in your organization anymore and i would like to say too and i got mad at myself as i always do um people were like well there's no businesses left on grand avenue there's no small businesses anymore i thought that was a weird statement that's weird because it's full of small businesses And yeah, did North okay, Face so, leave? They did. Okay, and like Jay Cruz there. Okay, you know, but the but whole that doesn't avenue mean is that full of small else. businesses. Well, and here's another thought that I had that I heard from a couple business people on the Ave was that that executive board of the association does not have a lot of restaurants. Uh, represented and i guarantee you those restaurants know how to bob and weave and make things happen and this is actually what has happened because uh of course what happened was somebody put up a facebook thing as a joke saying grand all day anyway uh, still going and then it sort of spiraled into a place where there was like all of a sudden there was like three thousand and then nine thousand people saying yeah let's do it and then the restaurants, of course, got together and the Lex and Red Rabbit and, you know, Iron Forager. Yeah. All these guys, you know, Tavern on you know, Grand. Tavern on Grand, Billy's. Yep. They all got together and said, let's just make it a bar crawl. Because they just probably already had bands booked yeah, and well, stuff happening. Food trucks were calling and being like, well, okay, I was booked. Should I, what should I do now? Yep. You know, so I think what's great about that is that the actual businesses came together and said, let's do something. So you can go to grand old day. Anyway, you can go on the Lex's page as well. And we have a link on our Facebook page. Do too. We? Okay. Yep. So it's, um, and it's 25 bucks and you get a t-shirt and you get free, uh, er, free beer, one free beer. And then you get $4 summits all day long. Yep. So if you do the math, that's a pretty <laughs> good deal. And it goes back to how it started. People coming out of their houses on Grand Avenue, having parties with their friends and neighbors and celebrating their community, right? And, yeah. And, you know, you think about it. Maybe it did get too unwieldy. Maybe it did get too big. And a lot of the businesses were saying, I know there was a woman from, I think, Jamba Juice or something. She was saying that they, you know, their their corporate guy was like, let's, let's you know, do satellite, you know, ones because they basically get walled off yeah. because they have all the tents and then other people were buying. And so they had to triple their labor and everything else. I think she said, I think we made over the day like 200 bucks. Profit. Yeah, but you still got exposed to how many people that now know there's a Jamba Juice on Grand Avenue. Yeah, You maybe. can't put money on that. Well, I agree, but I do think it's harder for people to sort of use that as like marketing dollars. You know, it's harder with labor costs. It's harder with everything else to sort of pony up for those kind of situations. So... It's good that maybe they'll retool it and maybe they'll be, it'll be more beneficial to the actual businesses. Melvin Carter, if you're listening, get on it. <laughs> Grand old day anyway. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish on this beautiful Saturday morning, which marks the first day of the City Farmers Market. Is it today? Today! I don't know why I'm surprised that I it's know. today. I think I thought it was next week. Yeah, no, today is the day. Both the Minneapolis Farmers Market and the St. Paul Farmers Market are open and ready for your downtown 
fun stuff. And I know that you and I both, this was another thing that you and I crossed paths on. You don't know because you were gone. But the minute I walked into the farmer's market preview this week, they were all like, oh, Hanson was just here. <laughs> Hanson. And I was like, yep, I, I assumed so. I was just late. Um, it was fun. It was great. So I, I just want to talk a little bit about farmer's markets because one of the things that uh, I just wanted to talk about the fact that, God, we love our farmer's markets, right? Yes. And there are so many great things. Do you know that we basically 1.5 million visitors uh, of the market, they walked, biked, or took public transit? 25% of them did, of the 1.5 million visitors. That's cool. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Do you know that there are 3,500 jobs supported by farmer's markets? I only know because I took a picture of the infographic. Which that I you're... am looking at on <laughs> the website. So you don't even have to take a picture of it. About 19% are first-time vendors. That's kind of... Okay. I love that. Don't As you love maker that? maker person, yes. Do you know that one-third uh, of the vendors donated their leftover produce to hunger relief programs? I did know that. We're going to talk about that in a minute, too. Um but there's so many great things. There's, you know, in sales, there's $13 million in vendor sales from farmer's markets, from Minneapolis farmer's markets. Is yeah, that crazy? Yeah. $13 million. It's amazing. Think about that. Over a couple it. months. I just love that. Um, a couple things that are happening at farmer's markets that we want to talk about. Um, so the Minneapolis farmer market, market, the farmer's markets of Minneapolis is a coalition of the local farmer's markets that have come together. Because, of course, we have the two big ones, right? You have Minneapolis, which is down at the Lindale Avenue sheds mm-hmm. and also downtown Minneapolis on Thursdays on the Nicollet Mall. Back yeah. at Nicollet Mall. Thank God. Yeah. And then the St. Paul market, which has been... Uh, in, you know, lower town area at their mm-hmm. sheds. Um, and they've been, they're open now on the weekends, but they also all have these satellite markets, which are all in different communities and different places. St. Paul, they've always had this kind of coalition where like, if you're in Roseville, that's kind of a St. Paul farmer's yeah. market. You know, it's all been a part of the thing. Minneapolis is a little bit less cohesive. They have been. And so when you have the Kingfield farmer's market or the Nokomis or the East Isles farmer's market. They're usually market. run by the neighborhoods. Right. And so this is a really nice thing. This farmer's market of Minneapolis, um, dot org. They are, um, they're a group that has kind of come together and sort of decided that they should help each other out and co-market, you know, co-produce and, and really help uh, spread the word. And one of the things they have, which I love, is this new interactive map. And so you can go online and we're going to put a link up on the page. About, because uh, you can basically see the all of Minneapolis proper, and then they have these little pins that are sort of dropped into the map, and you can click on it, and you can look at the West Broadway Farmers Market, and you can know that they've got produce and crafts, and where it is, when it runs, and there's even uh, you know their website link, and then kind of some of the stuff that they have there, which is great. Yeah, super great. So then, I actually was on like a panel when they started working on this. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I love that they have, they basically have untights, you know, they have the untights uh, garden market, you know, on 60th and Penn. You know, that's like a daily thing from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That is seasonal and it's just the untights vegetables, all that kind of stuff. But you can find, you can basically click and see which day of the week you're looking because it's more than weekends, right? I yes. mean, you have There's to, a farmer's market every day of the week if yeah. you look hard enough. Mm hmm. And it's interesting because I know a lot of the farmers were, for a while, it was kind of a stress factor, actually, because they were very much worried about being spread too thin with workers. Because mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, if I'm Sally's, you know, carrot farm, then if I'm, I can sell my carrots at Minneapolis. But then if everyone's suddenly going to Linden Hills, I kind of want to get Sally's carrots in Linden Hills, but I don't have enough people to go stand at both stands. Yep. So that's a little hard, too. So that's, you know, I like to have them you know, on different days and hours so that it works with everybody's schedule. So it's not just Saturdays, you know, 
Do you ever go to the? Do you ever go to markets like on off times? Like oh, I I, it's only when I go because well, because I'm typically this. doing this and then <laughs> cabin time. I'm not usually here on the weekend, so. If I'm getting ready to head out of town on a Wednesday, yeah, I search out where is a market so that I can load up on produce before yeah. I go. That is that is, I literally know all the St. Paul markets and the days. That's amazing. Cuz I that's how I, I couldn't have a CSA anymore because I'm not reliable enough to be there on that one day. Yeah. So I just supplement with buying stuff. That's true. And by the way, and this is probably going to be a podcast. I need I need like Q&A gardening time with Stephanie March. <laughs> So that's what's going to happen because okay. I have a garden. Wait, plot let's plan that is a garden gigantic. show and let's actually have Elizabeth come back, please, because she's really the queen of all farming. We had to backyard. have a fight yesterday about do you buy broccoli seeds or plants? Okay, let's pause on that. Let's get back to markets because this is good. But this is yeah, this is good content. Um, <clears throat> okay, so what I want and I want to let you know a couple other new things that are happening with other markets because uh, uh, St. Paul is doing a new thing this year at their farmers markets with Timmy Key. You know, he's been doing them indoors in the market house collaborative. He's bring you know, they're as doing them outside. He's doing a cool thing where he's doing sort of like a kitchen mashup thing. And so he's going to bring a couple chefs who don't normally cook together or who aren't, you know, maybe from the same kind of uh-huh. cuisines. This is kind of fun. And they're going to have to shop the market and find, ingredients and then they're going to have to come together and create something that will be then for sale oh at the market which cool. is that, so it could be like yia vang from union kitchen you know who does beautiful mung food and it might be like you know um someone from lori like, from the golden fig yeah exactly or with her spices yeah and so or even just like someone who does italian food i can't yep. come up with an italian chef and have them come together and kind of think of something that might be cool. I think that's fun. I think bringing those elements in is, is bringing the chef elements is kind of big and important. Um, and Mill City Cooks is kind of doing the same thing. By the way, they're doing um, market chefs, and basically uh, they're doing a weekly market demo from 10.30 to 11 a.m., um, featuring you know stuff from the ingredients from the market, presented by professional chefs, but they're also giving out printed recipes and samples for everybody. Yum. And that's really awesome. Um, people like Jenny Breen and Nettie yeah. and all those kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you, uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the people we saw at the preview. Who are you excited about? The donut lady. I know, it's all about the bakery box. It's called Bakery Box. It was this really sassy, super funny woman. And they're making donuts out of sourdough and brioche. Yeah. They were It's a laminated dough. Yeah, it's like almost like a croissant donut, but I don't want to call it a whatever they call a cronut or whatever. And it was different because it was denser. Yeah. But the chew on it was really good. It wasn't overly sweet. I just, as soon as I put that in my mouth, I was like, oh, this is good. And she's, what I loved about her stuff was that she was not, uh, she's like, I don't care about frills. She's like, I don't want to ice it up with hot pink icing and and put marshmallows and candy bars on top. And, you know, the donut scene has gotten a little crazy. And, and there are, there is a place in the world for those crazy donuts. But I love that she was coming back to, like, the quality of taste. And, and just, just flavor profiles. Oh, God, they were so good. You guys, there was a vegan donut that she the had. The brown butter glaze. Yeah, yeah, which did not have butter in it at all. And it was insanity. And I have, I mean, you know, I'm not going to seek out vegan stuff. I tend to not because it tends to be so flat flavored. This was beyond anything I'd rather have. Yeah, I had that same thing and was like, whoa. 
Did you have the maple cotton candy? I did. I, I, I thought it was pretty good. I did from too. Jurek Family Farms. Yeah, and I loved. Actually, I love their sausages more. So they had some really great uh, cured German sausages that I really, I totally dug. Um, but I thought the maple whipped candy was fun. He said we joked with him. He was like, "Do you want to do this at the state fair? It would be great." And he's like. Do you know how long it takes to get maple sugar to spin like this? And we're like, no. He's like, it's ours. So it's different than the other kind of candy. Because so, I bet the like ratio is there's different. There's something of the with the, yeah. Yeah, the different flashpoint or something. I okay. Know. One other thing yeah. that I just loved so much. Did you have the fermented black beans from the Pickle Witch? Yes. Okay. What is up with that? Where where has that been our entire life? I don't lives? know. They were fantastic. They're in like this kind of fairy mason looking jar. mason jar and it's all like dark and beany. You know, there's kind of that gray black thing that yeah. happens. And it didn't, and like you she, guys. she's an artist, so she had kind of her own homemade labeling that was cool. But the taste of this fermented bean dip was just great. It was spectacular. <laughs> I was like, I cannot wait to buy this. It was spectacular. I, I was like, do you have one I can buy right now? Yeah. She was like, no. I, I literally <laughs> thought of you too. Because she they like pass it out and I was like, wow. This I go, what did right you do to this? It's basically pickled... It's basically pickled beans. So yeah. you get this like almost salsa flavor from just beans. And they last like in this jar for like four weeks. That's I'm the other thing. I'm literally going to go buy those. You would Do you remember just, what market she was going to be at? Mm, I think Minneapolis. Is she going to be in Minneapolis? You just. The Pickle Witch. See, is we her. can look on our new interactive map, Stephanie, and find the Pickle Witch. Can you find the people on the map? I think so. I only thought you could find. Oh, see, yeah. I guess I've never I think it's just you find the market. Map. I don't think you can find the actual. Her name is the Pickle Witch. She had other pickled things. Yeah. But the fermented black beans. Uh, yeah, that'll <laughs> be right on my list. I One other thing that I really liked was granola me. Yeah. Uh, you know, granola at farmer's <laughs> markets is like not new. Here's me with granola. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except I liked what she was doing. She had like a cocoa curry. She had an autumn harvest. And what she talked about, the woman's name was Angela. Yeah. She actually talked about using these granolas because they were grain free. Yeah. As like salad toppers and like in different ways than just than like just you like think of granola on yogurt or with milk. Yeah. So she was thinking about it like in terms of a topper for fish or. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of interesting. I'm She's sure. actually a powder horn shark tank contestant. Granola me. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm trying to find this other woman, the uh, the mozzarella sticks from the Linden Hills. I had Hills. those. I love those. This woman is making basically like puff pastry round, like, but it's not just mozzarella. It's like feta. Feta sticks, it's too. It's feta sticks, and they are spectacular and warm and cheesy, and like, they had a good that's little garlic all sauce. you need. Yeah. Oh, God, it was so good. It was, and I can't remember her name, and I'm going to look her up, because she's at Linden Hills. And by the way, St. Paul, Melvin Carter, anyone from St. Paul, again, if you're listening, <laughs> This really was a fun event. So yeah. having like a little preview of the new vendors, if you're looking for a way to maybe generate a little dough, have a little ticketed event that's five bucks and you can come in and try samples from these new vendors because it was real fun. I know it was good. The last thing I want to do before we have to take a break, you guys, is talk about uh, just letting you know, I'm going to put a thing up for this too, which is about the Minnesota cottage foods law, because at the preview, a lot of the people were like, you know what? I'm a cottage food vendor. I make this stuff out of my home and then I'm starting at the uh, at the farmer's market first to be able to kind of do this stuff. So I'm going to put a thing up because if you feel like you've got a salsa or you feel like you've got, you know, a jelly that you can do. You can do this. It's pretty easy to be a cottage food vendor. They've changed the laws and made it very easy so for makers. Easy. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Hey everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for listening on this beautiful Saturday. It is beautiful. It's it feels it's green. It feels. Did you notice the pop? Yes. Of everything? Yes. That day when you notice it is oh. like 
heaven. Yeah. All of a sudden I was like, I saw some pussy willows kind of, you know, popping a little bit. And then I thought those are always the first. And then everything kind of follows. Yes. The magnolias. I have to tell you, my old house, I had a forsythia bush that was like the very first thing. And I don't have one now. And I I sort of feel like. Did you drive by? I did a drive by. I I drove by my old house. Did you drive by? Yep. Nothing's uncovered yet. And I was like, okay, I'm only going to do this a couple of times this year. Each year I drive by a little less. Yeah. Progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Um, let's talk about something that you and I had started to talk about. And then um, we kind of, I said, let's hold on this. Because there's a lot of talk about food waste. Food waste is probably the number one topic, actually, in the food circles. Of- and Women's Chef Conference is coming this weekend, and there's a lot of talk about it. Oh, is there there too? They're going to have some, <clears throat> yeah. Panels and yep. things like that. So... You know, there's a lot of, I mean, and it's worthy because some of the, some of the tactics or some of the facts about how much food, how much, and I was going to pull up some numbers, but I, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong numbers and that's sort of hard to come back from. This, this came to us because I saw something on Facebook and they were like, oh, the ugly produce, like we can repackage it and use that. I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. And Stephanie was like, yeah, but there's more to the story. Cause of course I always see the first layer well, and she'll we get go excited. 20 layers deep. <laughs> we get excited, and I like that about it. I like about getting excited about doing the good things, yeah. right? So when you see food waste and you understand that more than, um, you know, uh, so many millions of pounds of food get wasted every year, and it's from farms, and it's in homes. And because they don't look as pretty. No, and, 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 how, and, and how there's... Uh, you know, they say somebody, this is a stat I was thinking there, that there, there's a farmland the size of China is like producing the amount of food that is just thrown away. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of shocking Staggering, when yeah. you think about it. So, um, so one of the things is that, so ugly food, ugly produce has been a, a movement, right? And so like ugly food and ugly produce, like embrace your ugly food, get these supermarkets to say, we'll carry more you know, kinds of fruit, because when you look at your avocados, here's a great example. You look at your avocados in the supermarket and they are the big round bulbous, you know, certain shape, certain size. There are many avocados that are smaller and not, they don't make that, that cut for the size. Let me tell you something quickly. Those are delicious. The ones that are smaller, if you ever find like a little bag of small avocados and you think, what are you doing? Those are buttery and they have more actual flavor. They actually taste like an avocado instead of just bleh. They're usually in the organic section oh God, they're in so, the little bags. And that's why, yeah, get the smaller avocados if you're doing, or mix one into one of the bigger ones. That's just a tip for taste and flavor. But the point is, is that, um, so this food is like, so basically ugly food has kind of become a catchphrase, right? And so now, smartly, the people who are trying to battle food waste are putting things into uh, the internet and starting to like take pictures of ugly food. And then that kind of becomes a fascination and it goes viral and it's people are embracing it which is good but there's also some issues with that because so what happened so locally there's a startup and it's called it's not local but it's it's across the country and it's the imperfect produce they launched locally um and i went to go visit and i I actually interviewed them um and it's interesting because what their thoughts are is that they want to take the produce that farms are producing and and throwing away because supermarkets aren't buying them. And then they want to package those up into boxes and sell them and bring them right to your door. CSA style. CSA style. So it's like you say, I'm going to sign up for 30 bucks and I'm going to get, 
you know, this box delivered to me every week of imperfect produce. So you may an imperfect produce, maybe like a bunch of asparagus, you know, that is almost going to go bad. But, you know, so you have to use it, you know, kind of quickly or whatever. And they make sure that things are good. But I mean, they're not like bad. And it just doesn't look pretty. But there's like we had an orange that had like a big scar on it. And I was like, really? That's ugly enough to get rejected by supermarkets. So here's the problem, though. Right. So. This is a startup, and a lot of startups are in this field. The tech companies have sort of decided that this is their mission. Um, last year, more than $125 million went to startups looking to address waste, waste. in the system. Yep. Okay, so that's a good thing, right? Because you're thinking about, people are thinking about it. Um, the problem is there's a couple things. People are noticing that because they're focusing on uh, ugly food and doing this delivery system, like direct to your house, people are dropping their CSAs from local farms. Whereas where the ugly food usually goes. If you sign up for a CSA, the farms themselves are not usually picking the prettiest things and then throwing the rest away. They're putting them all into boxes and you're getting ugly food anyway, a lot of the time. Okay. Um, so CSAs, they've noticed, have sort of dropped okay. as far as that goes. So that kind of, in a weird way, hurts the family farm. Um, the other thing is, like, for instance, Imperfect Produce, which is you know, got a thing in Burnsville now, uh, they... It's they're not using local farms. They're basically getting the ugly produce off of the big giant factory farms. So some people are saying that the problem with that is that it basically encourages the big farms to overproduce mm-hmm. instead of tightening it back and then using all of that produce and sending it to the grocery stores. So they're saying and they're also then shipping from Chicago to here. They're not used. They're not really doing it in our in our right. in our land area. And the way that it's packaged, I can see that's kind of confusing because it's CSA style, so it feels small, local. Yeah, but those are grapefruits. I mean, a lot of. I mean, like I got a pack from them, and it had grapefruits. I know that no one here is growing grapefruits, right? So that's not really addressing anything locally, and that's not bad Did either. You get baniwis? Huh? No baniwis. Not yet. The banana kiwi. <laughs> that goes back about four years to the show when right. I thought that baniwis could be produced on April Fools. Yes, it was. That was a hallmark moment. It really was. But so this is this is the issue, like trying to do good, but then you have to measure out what you know the effect good is. really means. Well, and here's the other part, and this is the thing that I still need to kind of discover is if they're taking. Uh, there is a big article that came out sort of in sort of slaying imperfect produce a little bit and these startups because. They're saying that they're basically taking the money or taking this imperfect produce, which then would have gone to food shelves. And so there's a there's some discussion about that because that's who gets the bulk of the imperfect produce are the food shelves. Right. It kind of reminds me of the debate of paper versus plastic, because when you go to the grocery store and you get like a paper bag, you think you're (laughs) saving the world. But really, the plastic bags cost have a lot less resources in producing them. So if we could produce a compostable plastic bag, that would like change everything. That would change everything. And there are compostable yeah, there are. plastic there bags. There are out there. But you, I'd still be like paper because I think like paper is the way to go. With all of these wanting to save the world and the earth and be good to our planet, there's always, to every yin, there's a yang, yeah. right? Yeah, well, and and one of the other things about the whole ugly food movement is that so it's this is the whole local washing thing when people go, oh, you know, this asparagus is local. And I'm like, no, no, it's not like just, you know, if you're selling it in January, it's not local. Well, I bought it from a local distributor. Like, that's not what that means. So what's happening with the some of the markets, they're saying, here's our ugly food section and they're 
putting up this the, what they're calling ugly food. Some of the you know major supermarkets, and they're it's not ugly food. It's still like maybe one step off. They're still denying a bunch. They're still you Whole know Foods is throwing away bags of yeah. ugly stuff, and it's and it's cheaper. It is cheaper, and like this the is ugly the thing. Mangoes. But they're not even that. Ugly. That's the problem. Is they're still they're still rejecting tons and tons of things that they could be taking. They're only doing it like a little bit less. Almost like as a marketing. It is a marketing, and it's a local washing thing. So, what I'm just saying is, if you're if you're psyched about stopping food waste and you're all into this ugly food movement, you know, just do some research and do a little bit of thought process. But there's plenty of other things you can be doing to stop food waste. In terms of buying differently and buying, you know, at your markets and, you know, there's tips and tools kind of in terms of how you can. I hear things. an article in there. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. We're going to take a break and go to the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. If you want to weigh in on this conversation or you want to talk about what you do to reduce food waste or ask about grand old day anyway plan. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. We'll be right back. Six five one six four one one zero seven one is the number to call in to talk to us on the weekly dish. You can ask us your questions live on the air. Hey, I'm going to put up just continuing a little bit with what we were just talking about as far as food waste. Because Hanson was saying, um, you know, she's like, I wish I I knew more tips to make, you know, so that I could actively do it. I'm going to put up a great. Uh, savethefood.com, which is a great website if you're really interested in kind of curbing your food waste. They talk about easy tips for meal planning because meal planning saves food waste because you buy intentionally with the, that idea. But it also talks about the art of freezing, which we know Hanson is a, like a, a master. She's a samurai warrior with that. Uh, five ways to revive food, like little quick fixes if it's stale or feels like it's wilted, things that you can do. Um, which I am the savant in this. Literally, literally like the green onions when they're a little slimy on top and I strip them down. I'm like, still good! You know? <laughs> that was hard. None of my was. kids are dead, by the way. Let's be clear about that. Like, I have not killed anybody with food poisoning and I eat food oh, that's a little bit, you know. celery, you can just put in like a thing of water and it revives itself. Yeah. Did you know stale chips? You can stick them in the toaster. I mean, if you or like, you know, for a minute two, in yeah. a toaster oven or put them in an oven. Or use them as a salad topper. Yeah, I know. Bread works that way, too. I know. So anyway, there we go. All right. 651-641-1071. A question came in and it said, I have been hearing a commercial for chicken and waffles. Uh, It's a fast food restaurant and I don't want to eat there. So what is your suggestion (laughs) for the best chicken and waffles in town? Um, Chicken and waffles. Revival. Yeah. Do they have that on their brunch menu? I think they do. I've had it there. The one in Minneapolis. Yeah. Chicken and waffles. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, this is, uh, this is a bad one for me because I'm not a chicken and waffles fan. I want my chicken to be salty or hot. I do not want it to be sweet. And so I don't, and I also don't need a bread product with it. (laughs) I love the history behind chicken and waffles, by the way, which if you want to know is really from the jazz club era. And in Harlem, they would totally cut off of the jazz club late at night and they would be like, I don't know, do I want breakfast or do I want dinner? And so they would mash them together and make chicken and waffles. I love that. Isn't that a great thing? See, I love the context of it more than I actually love the dish. Uh, The Lowry has chicken and waffles. Yeah. I think Handsome Hog has chicken and waffles, too. And Lake and Irving. Yeah, apparently. I would say most of your southern restaurants are the, the you know kind of doing that fun stuff. Um, yeah. Chicken and waffles. There's a lot of chicken and waffle places in um, Las Vegas. Wish we had Waffle House. How come we can't really? have Waffle House up here? Is Waffle House good? They, Handsome Hog does have it. Stuff. Hen yeah. House Eatery, High Low Diner. Oh, High Low's is pretty good. I will say that. All right. But so yeah. that is the there chicken and waffle sitch. 
651-641-1071. No one wants to talk to us today. They just want to listen to us with That's their fine. warm cup of coffee. That's fine. Like in their little uh, stove, their gas stoves are on, their hufflinger slippers are My on their feet. My heat did kick on last night after, you know, I've had it super, super low forever. You know what I did? This is like, I give you all my little randomness. As soon as my husband went out of town because he started going to the cabin, I changed all of our bedding. And like, (laughs) that's the thing you do that you feel like you can't do before. I I was just like, because he has to weigh in on everything. Oh, oh, I I was like, okay, now you're gone. I bought a new mattress pad. I got a foam rubber topper. I got new sheets. Okay. And I felt like such a like rebel. You d- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you totally are. I was like, I redid the bed. Yes. Okay, we have Carrie on the line. Yay. It's on. It's on. Don't. Hello, Carrie, are you there? Yeah. Okay. I was like, don't turn it off. What's up today? Hey, I'm hosting a murder mystery party for Fun. a bunch of 15 year olds. And I need ideas for an enchanted forest themed meal. Enchanted Forest. This oh, is right up Stephanie's alley. Carrie. This is so. Are you doing like a? Yeah. This is a like. This is a good Lord of the Rings kind of situation. I would uh, actually. I would go to Forest to Fork at the Ken Case Market where they sell mushrooms. You know, a beautiful kind of different kind of mushrooms. And I would maybe do. I know it's teenagers, so that's a little harder. I don't know how their mushroom feelings are, but that to me is something that is a little bit kind of different. And I would do. Uh, I would do like a whole charred beast, and I would do pork. You know, like a big pork shoulder that's kind of charred and do like this thing where they could pull the charred pork themselves. And oh, nice. uh, doesn't that sound like fun? That's kind of like this, like there's a dead animal in the forest <laughs> and you have to eat it. You could do prosciutto yeah. wrapped asparagus, too. That's kind of woodsy because yes. asparagus just grows right out of the ground. Yeah. I love it. Uh, beet right, greens. Yeah. A beet green salad. Yeah. Because it's kind of bloody, too. Yeah. A murder mystery earthy. thing. I've, if they'll eat beets, too. They, they don't yeah. get a choice. They have to eat what's on the table. It's and actually, new stuff. if it's in a theme, they might not, and don't really tell them, just make them have it. <laughs> I love that idea. Awesome. Have fun. Thanks, Carrie. 651-641-1071. Uh, Stephanie was talking about this on the Lori and Julia show, but I figured it'd be quicker to email the weekly dish. She mentioned using natural deodorant that usually worked. I've used a natural product for a long time, but it's discontinued. Um, so Essence One is a local woman and she makes a natural deodorant that's really great. You can find it on her website at essence1.com or they just, her and a bunch of her friends partnered up to open a shop in Rosedale and it's six, I think it's called six friends and it's Hagen and Oats and thumbs cookies and essence one. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you can find the deodorant there as well. And you like it. It works well. Yeah. Okay. And to be clear, like you're still going to perspire but well, you're, gonna, you're yeah. trying to make it so that you don't stink. Okay. And so you're still going to have the wet pits? You can. You can. <laughs> There's very little that stops, like, unless you're using antiperspirant, which in effect is clogging up your sweat glands and saying stop sweating with chemicals, oh. which is what you're trying to avoid which if you're trying to be natural and chemical free. True. So sometimes you got to take the pity, but you don't have the scent. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Bum, bum. I have feelings about that. Maybe about stinking. Well, about like sweating in your clothes and stuff like I that. I know, but if you like, if you had cancer and you couldn't, then you would be like, okay, okay. I'll take a little sweat. I mean, of course, <laughs> there's all yeah, there's definitely that for sure. 
Um, okay, six five one six four one one zero seven one. If you guys have any feelings about things, feelings, feelings. Um, I want to just quickly pop back into the cottage food law thing for a second, sure, and just say that I'm going to put a post up. But understanding about uh, if you guys, you know what I mean. If you have even just a side gig, just to see if you're thinking that that's a thing you want to change your life and maybe change careers and do something. I interviewed a woman to, uh, the other day who just was she was just you know working as a as a uh, a bilingualist, you know, uh, a translator. And she was, she was like, I need to do something other than people. And so she went and did a prep job. And so she was in the kitchen cooking. And that was when she sort of was like, I could do something like this. And she started doing creative things and selling them at farmer's markets and doing, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she's about to, it changed her life. And it was a thing where she's about to, I'm, I can't tell you the name of the thing because it's, I got to talk about it next week. But uh, she's, you know, it can change your life. You can do these things and you can find a new way to make a living. What can also change your life is staying and listening to the second hour of Weekly Dish, which is coming up right now. Boom, Stay yeah. tuned. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This- Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.